Can you give more than you have? Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. The Macedonian Christians seem to have figured out that grace is never-ending. Like the loaves and fishes, you just keep reaching into the basket and there's always one more there. There's a balance here, too, as Paul outlines for the believers in Corinth in his second letter to them. We have a role in what Jim calls managing the grace of God. But it all goes back to the Son of God and what he gave. The message is called Poor Jesus. Corinthians, if you have your Bible and you wish to use your Bible, turn there, please, to Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 9 will be our text, but I want to read the passage of the whole 12 first, or the whole first 12, all of the... (laughs) Let's read the first 12 verses of this passage in order to see the context and the focus that the Apostle Paul is using for that special verse where he says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet he became poor that we through his poverty might become rich. You've just been singing about that wealth, that tremendous privilege of the blessings that are ours through him. You'll take your eyes to the screens and read with me these marvelous instructions from the Apostle Paul. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. For as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, See that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. The Apostle Paul had a tough problem. He was reminding the church at Corinth that a year ago they had made a promise to contribute to this collection for the ministry of the saints, the believers down in Jerusalem, 
who were going through great distress. And so the Apostle Paul was gathering offering, this offering from all of the Gentile churches that he had been instrumental in beginning, and Corinth was one of them. And soon the Apostle Paul and his troop would be coming to Corinth, and Paul didn't want the Corinthians to be embarrassed, you see, that, uh, oh, a year ago you were excited about this, and here we are to receive the gift, and you guys have reneged. You haven't, you haven't followed through. And Paul doesn't want them to be embarrassed by that. And so the apostle was writing this letter in part to remind them and to encourage them. Just do. Just do what you promised God you would do a year ago. And the anchor to this whole, this whole exhortation is the grace of God. For the last several weeks, we've been thinking together about the subject of asset management. Don't you like that better than stewardship? Asset management. We've been talking about how we are called by God as his children to manage his assets on his behalf. We're here in this world. We are his body. We are his people. We are his sons and daughters. His life flows in our veins. We have a glorious future. And for this moment, he has entrusted to us tremendous resources, his resources. And he's asked us to serve as managers. You remember we began this series of messages back when Jesus fed the 5,000. And the thing that triggered that manifestation of his power to multiply the loaves and fish was his command. He said, you, speaking to the disciples, you feed them. Remember that? You feed them. He was entrusting to his disciples ministry, his work. He would soon be leaving the earth through the valley, the shadow of death, through the, through the tomb, and then on back to heaven through the resurrection and ascension. And he wanted them to know that though he would be physically absent, his work would go on. They were to focus themselves upon continuing the work that he had done. And when they found themselves overwhelmed by the, by the staggering impossibilities of the demand of the task, he would take what they gave him and make it work. And then we thought a bit about Peter getting out of the boat, remember? And there Jesus was teaching lessons about the stewardship of obedience, faith, that God is greater than all the storms of life and all the adversities. And he always stands there in the shadows waiting for us to hear his voice and then step out, trust him. Lord, if it is you, Peter said, bid me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And what did Peter do? He walked on the waves. Now, it's one thing for Jesus to do that. That's a, that's a pretty spectacular miracle. But when Jesus made it possible for Peter to do that, Peter was learning that though Jesus would be absent, if Peter would just obey Jesus' command, and pursue Jesus' 
presence. Jesus would do the enabling. And then we visited a bit about that sweetheart of a lady. Remember Mary? Remember how she took her treasured alabaster box? And we saw how Jesus responded to that. And we were reminded that in the nooks and crannies of our life, we have stashed away treasures. And how incredibly delightful it is to the Lord when we take those treasures and we recklessly, with reckless abandon, we demonstrate our love for him, our appreciation for him, and our understanding of who he is and what he has done for us in a lavish demonstration of love. Then we stopped there by the temple with Jesus and we watched the widow as she cast in all her resources. Remember that? She must have felt strange standing there in her ragged clothing among all the pompous, well-dressed people who were throwing huge amounts of money into the, into the treasury. And she came up and threw in two mites, one quarter of one penny in today's economy. And as Jesus pondered that, he said to his disciples, I'm paraphrasing now, he said, don't let the size of the gift impress you. The size of the gift by God is weighed by the size of what's left over on the stub, not what's on the face amount of the check. And we learned that God knows our inside resources and our heart. And that God delights to have us give our all to him, dedicate everything to him. And then you remember we went with Jesus into the garden and we heard Jesus say last week, hey guys, can you not watch with me one hour? Some of us this week tried that. I've heard reports that some of you had great success, quieting your soul, settling your spirit, emptying all of the hustle bustle from your mind and just focusing upon the magnificent God we serve. Seeking to know what's on his agenda. Submitting ourselves to what matters to him. And orienting our lives accordingly. And we talked a bit about the stewardship or the management of the resource of time. Time. You can't buy it. You can't store it. You can waste it. You can invest it. And methinks that the most magnificent investment of time that is possible is to learn to spend those moments like Mary did at the feet of Jesus, just looking to his face, listening to him, allowing his words and his grace to fill our hearts. And that brings us to today's topic, managing the grace of God. The grace of God. Now, we sang a hymn just a moment ago that reminded us of the familiar aspect of grace, the one that's always emphasized. We sang grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Yeah. For by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves is the gift of God. 
The Bible tells us over and over again that the, the benefits of salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, are ours because of God's grace. Not because we merit it, not because we earn it, but because God chooses to give to us something that was paid for by Jesus. Okay? The grace. The apostle was reminding the Corinthians in this passage that God's grace first saves us from our sins, but it doesn't stop there. That God's grace also wants to express itself through us to others. That instead of us being, well, buckets that catch God's grace, we are rather to become channels or pipes through which his grace flows. We learn in this passage that grace is an energizing power. It's, it's God enabling people who don't have to do for him, for God, things they can't afford. He calls their attention to that there in the opening verses of Corinthians uh, chapter 8. And sometime you want to sit down with a cup of tea and just read these first 12 verses four or five times and let your heart do what your tea bag does. Just kind of soak in the warmth and power of this passage. And what will happen is the same grace that's here will begin to warm your heart and my heart and loosen from us and draw out from us aspects of God's grace that he has placed there. See, that's what happened to the churches in Macedonia. Look at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we, we make known to you, or we want to call your attention to the grace of of God, look at that, the grace of God bestowed on or given to the churches of Macedonia. Now those churches would be Philippi and Thessalonica. Uh, that was a very rich part of the ancient world until the Romans came. <laughs> the Romans came, they, they bashed down the two twin towers of Macedonian culture. They moved in and stole the gold mines and the silver mines. They, they took over the management of all of the natural resources in that very fertile part of the world, and they reduced the Macedonian businessmen and merchants to beggars. And that's what Paul shows us here. He says, in a great trial of pressure or affliction, you know, kind of like, Threat of anthrax, kind of like the stock market bottom falls out, it floats back up and then it falls out again. All the pressures of uncertainty about our jobs, our lifestyle, all of those things that we in some small measure are experiencing, they experienced in huge measure. But in the midst of that trial, that test, God graced them. And look what happened. It says, verse 3, according to their ability and beyond their ability. Now, how do you do that? Well, you don't do that by robbing the bank 
or stealing something from your neighbor's house. What the Apostle Paul is reminding these believers is that, that God's grace was poised to resource the, the enthusiastic desire of these Christians to do something in the management of physical resources, prayer and time, that was beyond their ability. They just didn't have stocks and money in the bank and social security to fall back on. All they had was God's grace. And they were so thrilled with that which God had given them that it loosened them up and caused them to desire to give. They had discovered the joy of giving. And they wanted to do more than they could. And they did. They did. If you want an illustration of this, read the little book of Philippians. That's one of the churches in Macedonia. And you'll find there that the church of Macedonia gave to Paul offerings that they couldn't afford to give. Out of their poverty, out of their own needs, with joy, they gave resources that they themselves needed. And as the Apostle Paul writes a thank you letter, and that's what the book of Philippians is, he concludes by reminding them that, hey, listen, my God shall supply all your need. What need? The need you created when you took resources that you needed yourself and resources that you didn't have, and you gave them for the ministry of the saints. That's the grace of grace giving. It's giving that is the empowered outflow. It's giving that it's giving that I can't afford, but I just can't afford not to do it. It's giving that flows out of a life, a heart that has discovered the joy of investing in the family business, of taking things that are only tangible and making things that are eternal happen. I was watching a program the other day on documented TV, and they took me into, by a camera, they took me into the largest and most powerful bank in the world. It's the Federal Reserve Bank at New York, New York. And they showed me piles and piles and piles of $5 bills and $10 bills and $20 bills and $100 bills and $50 bills. And the narrator said, that stuff is just paper. There's nothing to back up the value of that $5 bill but your goodwill. It's that you believe that it's worth $5, that you'll accept it from me, and you'll give me $5 worth of your merchandise. There's no gold behind this. There's no silver. You'd be better if you had a United States Treasury note, wouldn't you? At least it's backed up by the United States promises. But this, this is just currency. It's just paper. It's a means of exchange. And then they took us back into the room where they have piles and piles and piles and piles of gold. And again, the narrator said, now, don't think that this gold is connected to your paper money. 
I was amazed. I mean, it was like five or six times the narrator told me that this $5 bill is only as good as you believe it to be. And yet we use it like it's based upon the gold standard. How could the Macedonians do this? How could they give beyond? Well, it's because of the grace of God. And it's because they discovered that this stuff, this $5 bill, which has very shaky value in our world, can be translated into something that has tremendous value and eternal worth. And that gave them joy. And so they gave beyond what they had the ability to do. Now, Paul reminds the Corinthians down here in, I think it's verse 10, 11, or 12 along there, that if you don't have the $5 bill, God doesn't require you to give it. He's reminding the Corinthians that when they start to gather together their, their offering that they promised, that, uh, that, that they should at least give what they have. But if you don't have, Paul says, you're not responsible to give. But he's just been telling them about the Macedonians who didn't have and yet gave. What was the difference? It's the grace of God. And Paul says there in verse 6, he said, I've sent Pastor Titus over there that he might help you guys at Corinth cultivate this grace of giving. Abound in this grace also, he says in verse 7, in addition to your faith, your speech, your knowledge, your diligence, your love, abound in this grace. Now, what is that grace he's talking about? He's talking about positioning ourselves where we give ourselves to the Lord and we catch a vision of what God wants to do in our world. And then we take all of our resources and we say they belong to him. And we even trust him to, by his grace, enable us to do more than what our accountant says we can afford. Grace. The Macedonian believers weren't writing checks for one million denarii and expecting God to somehow cover them. But they were giving so deeply that it seemed they were letting go of their own necessities. And we do believe, as we believe for the widow and her mites, that God took care of those givers. Poor Jesus is the name of Jim's sermon, and we'll hear the rest tomorrow. If you'd like to have a copy on CD so you can listen again and pass it along to others, let us know and we'll send that to you for a gift of $7 or more. The series is called Special Works Jesus Did, that will fill 13 CDs, all yours for a donation of $45 or more. At Right Start, our vision has always been one of shared ministry, shared with believers like you. Your prayers, your financial support keep the good word going out. If you feel led to come alongside and help us, please do. We try to make it easy for you. You can mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or you can call us during business hours Eastern Time at 1-800-984-2313.
That's 800-984-2313. And on the internet, point your browser to rightstartradio.org. That's where you can donate electronically and securely, of course. Hundreds of Pastor Jim's messages are waiting for you there. You can listen to past radio shows, too, or get new ones delivered straight to your mobile device by means of the Right Start podcast on iTunes. Rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. What did Paul mean when he wrote about Jesus' poverty? And how does that make us wealthy exactly? We'll learn more on tomorrow's Right Start. Thank you.